Joe, I want to I wanna take the opportunity to talk about something on this episode that I feel I feel like it doesn't necessarily need to be talked about, but I know I'm I'd enjoy talking about it. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Sure. And uh, it's not anything like it's not anything that's going to be like eye opening to people. I do enjoy uh, hearing back from people on some of the conversations we have on this show about how they can relate to like things we talk about, like from our personal lives on on this and everything. And uh, there was something in my in my my life that. Uh, I've always acknowledged and I've always, uh, shown like appreciation and respect for. And I know there's a lot of people out there that do too. And because it is, uh, November 11th, it's very close to the anniversary of, uh, I guess in my industry, it could be one of the most tragic things to happen. And, uh, it was actually 48 years ago yesterday, uh, that the Edmund Fitzgerald sank. Oh, all right. Lake, Lake Superior. Yeah. And, yeah. I didn't uh, mean to say it like, oh, goody. Right. I just, I was trying to figure out what it was that happened. And yeah, I'm not going to lie, Joe. I was expecting that uh, response. That's why I kept playing it off like, you know, they go, crap, what could it be? You know? Uh-huh. Uh, but I, I, um, I, I was spacing on it yesterday. I guess I knew there was something going on. And I was like, what the hell is it? Like, there is something about today. And I just couldn't remember what the hell it was. And, about halfway through the day, it kind of clicked in my head. I'm like, oh, that's right. The Edmund Fitzgerald sank on, you know, November 10th, 1975. Hmm? I was like, God damn, like, that's, you know, okay, cool. And I was thinking, I was like, you know, that'd be a pretty cool thing to kind of talk about, you know, for a little bit, uh, with Joe on the podcast. Cause this is going to be kind of a, like a, uh, I don't want to say, you know, stopping by to say hi because I don't want to do that. Uh, but, um, um, like a normal, like a normal length podcast and everything. Yeah. Um, you know, nice Saturday morning. We all got plans later on today, but we still wanted to sneak some content in for our listeners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I figured what better way to kind of talk about, you know, Devin Fitzgerald, which like I said, I work in the petroleum industry and I have on and off for the last, uh, surprisingly, uh, 11 years, uh, except for a, um, Oh, jeez, what the hell is it? 17, 17, so three years. I mean, I can't be wrong. I got to get my numbers wrong. When did I start in this industry, oh, Joe? I don't remember. Sorry. Uh, if I started in April of 2012, and I got let go in January of 17, and I came back in October of 2020. That's basically like, five years plus three years, so eight years. Yeah, so eight years. So, I mean, I, I've... I've uh, I've enjoyed my time in this industry, still in it. I'm not saying that I'm out of it or anything, but I still enjoy my time in it. And when you look at a lot of the tragedies that happen, like a lot of people talk about like, you know, like refineries explosions and stuff like that and uh nuclear plants like, you know, uh what the hell is that? I don't even know what the uh, reactors, you know, whatever to do. Um but they never really talk about, you know, the tragedies on the water. And right. The one that always stuck out, the one that I, you know, I always, you know, read about or looked into or thought about was the Edmund Fitzgerald. I didn't know and, that. Yeah. And I, and a lot of it maybe has to do with the fact that there is a song about it um, written by Gordon Lightfoot called The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. But even beyond that, it's one of those things where it was it was such a big ship and I, I I pulled up some facts I do want to kinda of like go through and 
give people the idea of the kind of shit this was because it's thinking Lake Superior, which uh, I believe I didn't look up this. I, I think I read it, but there's about 240 ships that have sank in the, in uh, Lake Superior, and if it should be one of them, and as of today is the largest uh, ship to sink in. Uh, in uh, Lake Superior, uh, known as it's called a laker because it goes on the Great Lakes, so gotcha. it's a laker barge. Um, it's longer than three, uh, longer than two football fields long, uh, seventy-five feet wide. It was a huge ship. Uh, unfortunately, hit a storm um, on its way to its uh, destination, and unfortunately, sank. Twenty-nine people were on the ship. Uh, as far as I know, to this day, nobody has been found. So, uh, lost to, uh, the Great Lakes and everything. But I want to talk about some of the, uh, cool facts and everything I did look up on it. Uh, and one is actually related to, uh, to us in a small way. Okay. Uh, before we dive into any of that, oh, I, right. I know how it's related to us. Anyway. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I know, it's, I know it was going to come back to you. I know it was going to come back to you. Uh, but this episode is brought to you by CarterComics.com. It's your one-stop shop for all your comic needs, whether they be graded or raw. Carter Comics has got them all. All you got to do is go to CarterComics.com, check out their amazing store, fill your cart up with all their amazing comics. At checkout, use the discount code FREAKNET, F-R-E-A-K-N-E-T. You'll save 10% on your entire order. They also have four different eBay accounts, and you can find links to all those pages at their homepage of CarterComics.com. Our discount code will work over there as well. It'll save you 10% on your purchases over on eBay. So make sure you check them out. Amazing sponsor to Freaknet Studios. We appreciate you. Thank you, Dougie. Uh, I uh, I had a conversation with, uh, actually with your daughter uh, yeah, uh, the other day because uh, she got all giddy because I mentioned her on the podcast. She might get giddy again. So mm-hmm. shout out to a fan. Uh, and it dawned on me. I was like, I don't know why we started calling him Doctor Doug. Like, oh, I don't like, know either. It just, just randomly happened one day. So that's who he is? Yeah. So I'm just gonna bounce back and forth between Doctor Doug and Dougie. I mean, whatever. I think one time I talked about his irregular bowel movements. At one point, I don't fucking know. Yep. 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 Um, uh, I tried calling him once. He didn't answer. So that's probably why. So uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but Doug, I do appreciate everything you do for us. Thank you so much for being a sponsor of the show. Uh, also, your wife, uh, she is an amazing person, and thank her for uh, allowing you to send money to uh, fools like us. So, we do appreciate that. Uh, Edmund Fitzgerald, let's see here. So, first off, um, let's start at the very top here. Uh, I found a website uh, that has 12 memorable facts about the Edmund Fitzgerald. I kind of want to like read them off and talk about them a little bit. All right. Because it is pretty cool. Because you got to keep in mind, though, you know, this was 19. So it went down in 75 and it was built in 58, I believe. I know it's in here somewhere. Uh, I believe it was 1958 when it was built. Yeah. Uh, so well, the other, it launched June 7th, 1958. Whether it was yeah. built that year, I don't know. Yeah, which I do know an interesting fact about the launch date, and I'll see if it's in this list of 12, and if it's not in this list, then I can mention it later on at the end of the show. Oh, yeah. uh, the Edmund Jode was the largest ship on the Great Lakes, the largest cargo vessel that roamed the five Great Lakes were known as Lakers, and the US and the SS Edmund Jode was, and at the time, the biggest ever built. It was constructed as a maximum-sized bulk carrier to span 729 feet, 
the first Laker to reach that length and sat 39 feet high with a width of 75 feet and weighed more than 13,000 tons without cargo. It was christened on June 8th, 1958, so there we go for that, and made its first voyage in September 24th that same year. So to put that in perspective, large uh, football field is 300 feet, 100 yards, so it is a 129 feet longer than two lengths of or length of two football fields, which wow. I don't know. If, I do. I couldn't. I probably couldn't make that walk without being winded. There's just no. Fucking, there's just no fucking way. Uh, the ship was owned by an insurance company, the Great Lakes Engineering World of Ecorse, Michigan, was con- contracted to build the ship in 1957 by Northwestern Mutual Insurance Company which has invested heavily in the iron and mineral industry. With the commissioning of the Fitzgerald, Northwestern Mutual became first American insurance company to build its own ship at a cost of $8.4 million, the most expensive tag for a freighter at that time, according to Michael Schalmers, the mighty Fitz. I looked it up. Uh, today, I believe, uh, what was it $844 million today. Wow. Oh, I'm sorry, $877,850,281.69 today. Incredible. So uh, I, I couldn't even think of really, maybe skyscrapers and stuff, but I couldn't think of anything built today that's close to a billion dollars. I mean, I guess, what, stadiums? Maybe yeah, sports stadiums. stadiums and skyscrapers? Yeah. Um, um, I mean, that could, I guess, like, I guess that realistically could be a normal price for boats and ships and that, but it just sounds right. like a lot. Warplanes. Yeah. What, what is the average cost for an airplane? Oh, I don't know. You looked it up real quick? Yeah. Like, like, like an average cost for like a, what's, what's an average plane? A Bowie 747 or something oh. like that? So, to buy a small private jet usually okay. is one to ten million dollars. Okay. Uh, so it's gotta cost less than that to build it. My gotcha. logic. Uh, commercial yeah. airliner, $80 million to over $200 million. So, yeah, it's more expensive than a plane. That's insane. By, like, four times. Yeah. Got it. But, and that's the thing, too. Like, 1958, $8.4 million invested in 1958. Wow. That's – I wish I I wish I knew uh, – I wish I knew, like, how to – Look at history in a chronological order and everything, because I'm trying to think like how far off from the Great Depression was that? You know, where this where the country was like struggling right. financially and everything. It's like because that was in the 20s, right? Or 40s. Yeah, the uh, the stock market crash was in October of 29. Okay. Um, I think the they really came out of the depression uh, with World War One. So I mean I'm I'm sure they were they were on their way out before then, but I would say probably 1940 is usually the cutoff in my head. Yeah. So about 18 years since the end of the Great Depression. Okay. 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 For some reason, for some reason, 1947 stuck in my head, and I'm not sure why. I don't know. I'll have to find that out. Uh this is uh so this is the fact that's related to us. Uh, it was named after the head of a company. Uh, the chairman of Northwestern Mutual had a long history with the Great Lakes shipping industry. Edmund Fitzgerald's grandfather captained a ship on the Great Lakes. His father owned a shipyard, and they both had ships named after them. After construction of the Fitzgerald was completed, Northwestern Mutual placed its charter <coughs> excuse me, with the Columbia Transportation Division of 
Ogilvy Norton Company based in Cleveland. It's related to us because when we did our cemetery vlogs this past uh, October, uh, we went to, was it a Forest Home Cemetery, I believe it was called? I believe that's correct, yeah, in Milwaukee. In Milwaukee, yeah. And Edmund Fitzgerald is buried there, and you were able to uh, catch the uh, footage of uh, of that spot. And, uh, so I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Especially, to me, that was probably the coolest thing to see just because of my interest in the Edmund Fitzgerald. So, uh, look at that. We're uh, we're part of something now, Joe. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, the ship's main job was hauling iron ore. Uh, most Lakers uh, traversing the Great Lakes and the connecting waterways carry massive amounts of raw materials such as rock, salt, and grain. The atmosphere's Joe generally loaded taconite. Taconite. I don't know. Taconite. I don't know. T a c o n i t e. To me, it's taconite. Yeah, it sounds like taconite. Sounds like taconite. Low-grade iron ore from mines on the shores of Minnesota and transported the pellets to steel mills near Detroit and Toledo, Ohio. The Fitz was well known before it sank. Uh, the, its, its impressive size made the ship popular with boat, boat watchers, and over the years it garnered many nicknames, including the Queen of the Great Lakes, the Toledo Express, and the unfortunate one of the Titanic of the Great Lakes. The unfortunate one. Yeah. Oh. Oh, I see what you're saying. I thought I thought you were saying the unfortunate one was one of the nicknames. Oh, and I was no, like, no, no. wow, what? Maybe they shouldn't have been sailing. <laughs> Ominous, right? Uh, yeah, no, the, the unfortunate nickname, uh, right. the, Titanic, the Titanic, because I gotcha. believe at the time the Titanic was the largest uh, cruise ship, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they believed it was unsinkable, which you know. But it, it was its maiden voyage that sink too, Titanic, yeah. right? Yeah. Gotcha. I really want to dive into that, too. I know we talked briefly about it, but I really want to dive into Titanic and talk about the conspiracy behind it on it. Like, Titanic not actually being the Titanic, but a different ship owned by the same people that intentionally sank it for the insurance money because the, uh, uh, the, um, uh, the side of it was, uh, was already pre, like, smashed up because it collided with something. That's an intriguing idea for sure. I do want to talk about that. Well, I know the last time we talked about conspiracy theories, the uh, the uh, the show didn't record properly. That's right. So yeah, but I do I I do want to talk about right. that. Ah, <laughs> oh, perfect. God, I forgot I forgot about the soundboard already. But I do want to talk about that because I I mean because the more you listen to it and like hear about it, and I think that's how conspiracy theories start and everything. Um, is like there's just so much information given about it, and it's like it's hard not to buy into it. It's like, oh shit, did they really? Because also, I think like the guy who owned the ship was supposed to be on the ship, but he ended up not being on the ship. But all his competitors were on the ship. Right. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so I think I think we'll deep dive into that. I don't know when did the Titanic sink? Was that May, uh, May or June? I don't know. It's winter or cold. No, will they sink uh, in cold air? Well, we'll do it around that day. April 15th, 1912. There we go. One day after Derek's birthday. Nice. One day, one day after Lincoln was shot. Man. Right. Man, April sucks. Yep. Tax day, 1912. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> uh, uh, Titanic of the Great Lakes. Crowds would watch as the massive freighter moved through the locks at Salt St. Marie in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. 
the Solocks were connected Lake Superior to Lake Huron, allowing uh, Fritz to reach the ports at the lower Great Lakes. The ship ran into a deadly storm on Lake Superior. November is a brutal month on the Great Lakes. Frequent storms and hurricanes forced winds can batter even the toughest built freighters. On November 9th, the freight, excuse me, the Fritz was loaded with 26,116 tons of iron ore pelts at the Burlington Northern Railroad Dock in Superior, Wisconsin. It left at 2.30 in the afternoon. A second ship, the Arthur M. Anderson, sailed 10 to 15 miles behind the uh, Fitzgerald as a precaution, and the two ships remained in radio contact just after 7 p.m. on November 10th. Uh, gale winds have been issued by the National Weather Service the previous day, and by morning of the 10th, the advisories had been upgraded to an official storm warning. As swells reached 35 feet and winds raged as nearly 100 miles an hour, the ship contacted Coast Guard officials in Salt St. Marie and said they were taken on water. Later, a blizzard obstructed the Fritz on the Anderson's radar, but Captain Ernest McSorley, who was on the final voyage before his retirement, assured the crew members on the Anderson at 7.10 p.m. that we are holding our own, which was the last anyone heard from the McSorley or the Fitzgerald. So, um, so a couple things there. Uh, it, it never really dawned on me until I learned about the Edmund Fitzgerald that the lakes had the ability to have hurricane force winds on it. Yeah, right. Because, I mean, like, because I, I mean, obviously with hurricanes, I always think of, you know, like everything that happens down in, uh, in, um, Florida, uh, Louisiana, uh, Houston, all those bad storms that are like wiping out like parts of cities and towns and shit like that. Like there's, there's a ship that's willing to drive, you know, sail through that shit. Right. Um, and also the fact that this dude, uh, this was his last trip before he was calling it a career. And I believe this guy, uh, the story of the guy was about 63, 63, 64 years old. And I think he was a ship captain for about 40 years. And this was his last trip before his career was over. Um, and yeah, one of the biggest things I remember hearing constantly was the very last thing that they heard from the ship, from the captain was, uh, we are holding our own. And, in one of the videos, and actually I posted uh, the video up on, I posted a video on Edmund Fitzgerald on our Facebook page. It was a, it was a, a YouTube video I've never seen before, but the one that I always went back to to see had clips of uh, like the news and all their stuff, part of the video, like at the beginning, in the middle, during the instrumental part and all that stuff. Well, they have the actual audio clip um, from... Uh, was it not not the Fitzgerald, but the ship that was uh, found along with them, uh, radioing to uh, shore, saying that you know they lost contact with them, the pre-shore went down, and everything like that. Um, but I just I I couldn't imagine being the other ship here, and you know the captain and everything, and all the struggles they're going through, and all that stuff, especially on waters. And that's why I get a lot of respect to, uh, you know. You know, the guys on the ships and stuff like that, especially being on the Great Lakes and on those big barges and stuff, because when you do get those winds that cause those waves and everything, it's like you're just, you know, it's like being in a bathtub with a baby splashing, you know, a, a rubber duck around, you know, right. it's, it's, yeah. it's insane. Uh, no distress signal was sent. 
Uh, after after the storm, there was nothing on the radar, no radio contact. The ship was approximately 15 miles north of Whitefish Point when it seemingly vanished. Captain Cooper on the Anderson was in contact with the Coast Guard and made it to Whitefish Point sometime after 8 p.m. with no sign or word from the Fitzgerald. Later, the Anderson made its way back into the storm to search for this ship, but found only a pair of lifeboats and debris. Yeah, I think... I think I think what they found was uh, I think they saw there was some floating life jackets. They found a lifeboat and um, what the hell did they call it? Uh, an oil slick. Mm. Uh, but that was it. Like the the ship was gone. And uh, I know some. I, I mean, looking at a map, it doesn't seem that big. Superior is fucking huge. So I mean, but the ship was so big, like to not see it anywhere is imp- nearly impossible. Shocking. Um, yeah. Uh, but you know, respect to, uh, the captain of that ship to go back out in those storms, you know, especially, you know, if they thought to themselves, like, this ship potentially went down. It's bigger than us. It couldn't handle this, but we're going back out there. A lot of respect to them for doing that. Yeah. Uh, along with the captain, the other crew members of the Fitzgerald included porters, oilers, engineers, maintenance workers, cooks, watchmen, deckhands, wheelmen, most crew members. Uh, we're from Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, and Minnesota. Uh, I remember looking at the list of the guys on the ship. Obviously, I think the oldest guy was maybe the captain and a few deckhands who were like in their late 50s, 60s. But there were some kids on there, like 18, 19, 20 years old kids. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Good money, uh, I'm sure, for a kid. Oh, yeah. Especially like, I mean, cause like a lot of those, I mean, working with the river boats when I was an inspector, Guys would talk about how, like, like some guys worked, like, 28-28, which was 28 days on, 28 days off. Well, or they'd work uh 14s, so 14 days on, 14 days off, I guess, depending on the travel. Because a lot of the guys I worked with, especially for one company, would go from Louisiana up to Illinois, back down to Louisiana. And so, yeah, they would work, like, 28 days on the boat, then 28 days off and stuff, and... It sounded cool. I was like, man, I could be off for an entire month, but then at the same right. time, you're on for, you're an, on entire for an entire month. month. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the treacherous weather conditions are an obvious factor, but experts differ on what they think specifically caused the accident. Following the wreck, the U.S. Coast Guard and National Transportation Safety Board agreed that the tragedy was likely due to the faulty cargo hatches, which led to flooding. Some harbor others some harbor other theories including unsecure hatches, maintenance troubles, massive waves, structural issues, and yes, even aliens. Arthur and Great Lakes historian Frederick Stonehouse author I'm sorry, author and Great Lakes historian Frederick Stonehouse posted that the ship likely hit the shoal and took on too much water before plunging into the surface of Lake below the surface of Lake Superior. Dude, I don't know how you read stories on this thing. <laughs> too much time. Uh, Canadian folk singer, so cool. So Gordon Lightfoot, who has released ten albums from '66 to '75, would inspired to write the ballad of the wreckage, the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, after reading an article about the tragedy in Newsweek. He included the song on his 1976 album, Summertime Dream, and a nearly six-minute single reached number two on Billboard's Howl 100 chart and became Lightfoot's second most successful song. 
The third verse begins. The winds and the wire made a tattletale sound when the waves broke over the railing. And every man knew, as the captain did too, twas the witch in November come stealing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you guys, if, if you guys haven't heard that song, I definitely recommend listening to it. It's, it's very, uh. It's a great song. It's such an amazing song. I thought about playing it on here when, uh, towards the end. And just like, you know, you know, I don't think we'll get dinged for it, but just for all of it, I think that, I think that we would end playing that song on here. I'd be done with that. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, family members requested a symbolic uh, memorial from the SS Fitzgerald. Uh, the U.S. Navy and Coast Guard deployed planes and cutters with magnetic anomaly detectors, side scan sonar, and sonar survey to find the wreckage. In May, a Navy underwent underwater recovery ve- uh, vehicle was sent to the site, and on May 20th, 1976, the ship was spotted 535 feet below the surface of the lake. In the decades since, only a handful of people have been able to see the wreck, which lies in two pieces. A pair of divers made their way down in 1995, the same year a crew with help from the Canadian Navy and National Geographic Society, Sony and the Salt St. Marie tribe of Chippewa Indians, retrieved the ship's bell, and at the behest of the family of those who were lost, the Canadian government has since prohibited access to the site. An eerie, arch- an eerie archived video below. You can hear Anderson, Skipper, Jesse Cooper corresponds to the Coast Guard to see the video of the wreck. Um, and finally, uh, the annual Edmund Fitzgerald Memorial Ceremony takes place on November 10th at the Great Lakes Shipwreck Museum at Whitefish Point. The recovery and restored bell tolls 29 times for each member of the Fitzgerald crew. And the thirtieth for the estimated thirty thousand mariners lost on the Great Lakes. Um, I would like to go there one day as part of uh, as part of our show. Yeah, to go to uh, uh, check it out. Um, a couple of things that wasn't listed on there that I do know information. Uh, so when the ship was uh, dropped into the water, because for those of you who don't know, uh, ships aren't built in the water; they're built on land and then slid into the water. Right. Which, if you haven't seen that happen, I recommend looking up the video of it. Pretty cool. Uh, going in. Uh, so when the Edmund Fitzgerald was dropped into the water and it went out because it was tied to the dock, obviously, it came back in and it hit the dock with so much force. Uh, unfortunately, somebody who was there to watch it happen uh, died of a heart attack. Oh my god! So that happened. Uh, and also, they mentioned the bell, which uh, they did take it off of the wreckage, uh, and I believe it is on display at Whitefish Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, but they replaced it with a bell uh, that has the names of all the uh, uh, crew that was lost etched onto that bell, and they replaced that onto the wreckage of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Nice. So, uh, yeah, it, it's weird because, um, when looking at the movie Titanic, uh, at the very beginning when they show, uh, that, uh, what's that girl, Rose? Yeah. The, the old lady? Yeah. Uh, the, um, the simulation of what happened to the ship and how, like, it kind of went, uh, like it hit like an iceberg, went up, split, it split into two pieces and dropped down. That's how I imagine the Edmund Fitzgerald happened. You know, not, not so much hitting something. 
before it happened, but you know, the possibility of the length being so long that when it went up onto one uh wave, and I think they call them sister waves, if I know correctly, it's like three different waves hitting you, one right after another, right after another, right after another. I think they're called mm-hmm. sister waves. Where like the ship would go up on one, but then another one would come in, hit it, and once you start nose diving, there's just enough water. It, 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 I don't know if I'm explaining it right, but it kind of just splits in two and drops straight down. Gotcha. One, the one thing I never understood was the fact that um, like nobody was was found. Um, I'm, I'm guessing, you know, like I said, thinking about it, it's over two football fields long. I don't know how many compartments are in there, and I, you know, they say that people visit the wreckage, but. I don't know how ship wreckage, like, like people like that, like, I don't know how they do it. Like, do they actually go inside the wreckage and, like, look around and shit like that? Because, I mean, if that's the case, uh, and I, I don't want, I don't want to sound too morbid, but I, I just, I don't know, uh, how life works, I guess. And maybe Joe, you're smarter than me. You can probably answer this question for me. Try. 48, 48 years ago, the ship went down. 29 people went with it. The idea of the bodies possibly being preserved because of the cold water. Mm. Is that possible or would it just be skeletons at this point? Um, let me think about it for a second. I, right. I, 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 don't I, don't want I don't want to sound too morbid, but I'm just generally curious <laughs> on like, because I mean, Lake Superior is cold to begin with. Right. And I'm assuming if they're, you know, 500 plus feet down beneath the water, it's still chilled down there. Right. Now, I, I'm, I'm guessing, like, you know, I know, like, they, they find, like, human remains in, like, Arctic areas and stuff frozen in ice from, like, hundreds of years that's been mummified and stuff. But, if you, I mean, if I'm thinking about only, like, 48 years and it's cold enough, I mean, bacteria's not there to break down the body. I mean, I'm right. sure fish are there to, you know, eat them if they can make it. But if somebody's like in like a, uh, like a, like a bunkhouse or something like that, that it's closed off to the outside, you know, I'm sure water leaked into it by this time, but like if organisms can't get in there to actually, I mean, it's, it, it, it's possible, right? Yeah. So I, I just Googled real fast. Yeah. Um, apparently it is cold enough to inhibit bacterial growth. And so, like, one of the, there's that that old saying, Lake Superior doesn't give up her dead, which is actually in yeah. the, the, the song. Yeah. Um, uh, the cold water of Lake Superior does not allow bacteria to grow like it would in warmer water. The bacteria that usually causes a body to float uh, is kept at bay in the frigid waters of Lake Superior. And so, yeah, so bacteria wouldn't break it down. Um, I, I do think there's a chance, uh, you know, fish or something could eat them. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, water... I don't think water is uh, typically water is neither acidic nor basic, so it's not going to eat away at anything. Um, so yeah, and and rot is usually a bacterial event. So yeah, yeah there's a chance there's a chance they're preserved, or uh, especially if they're if they got covered in in dirt or anything at the or silt or sand at the bottom. Yeah, um, that would definitely preserve it. But, yeah, it yeah because it's just I mean, it's just one of the things where, like I. When I hear that they that people went down to the wreckage, and obviously according to the facts and everything, they haven't been down there in a long time. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> but 
you would think like, I mean, like it, there's a possibility that they sh- would be, I mean, like, again, I don't know. I don't scuba dive. I don't do, you know, excursions like this. We just saw what happened when, uh, somebody put, you know, a, I don't, I can't remember what the hell it was called, but, uh, it went down to the Titanic and three people died from that. Yeah. That was, that was the Titanic, right? That was their. Yeah. They went down to see the Titanic. I think. Yeah. Wish I could remember the name of the vessel. That's kind of annoying that I can't. I can't remember the name of it. I just remember that like the the controls of it looked like a like a game console controller. Unless that was just a, a meme or some shit for people who are fucking. No, around, it, it looked like a game controller. They wanted it to be as easy as possible so that a layperson could do it. But the thing is, is like there's a reason that experts have to go on these these types of trips. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe people aren't going actually inside it, inside it, and maybe it's for good reason or whatever, but it's, it's just, it just baffles me. It's like, it's like 48 years, like people have been like talking about it, been visiting it, and not one person has like, you know, like not has surfaced from it, like, you know, and I mean, people, and people believe that they're all like shut in somewhere, you know, like that. Like the captain's still in the captain's hall or whatever the hell that thing's called that the uh that uh the uh controls and stuff were at that you know some of the guys are in their bunks because they um because they made the announcement before any of this happened that you know due to the weather outside uh dinner wasn't being served and stuff, so it's like they weren't like in a mess hall unless they were all together for some reason you got the guys working in the engine room and everything so I mean like they're I don't see the idea that anybody was outside of the ship on like the deck or anything like that. Right. Or very, very uh, few while the people. storm was happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. but uh, you yeah, find it's, here, it's, uh, there was a 1994 expedition of the wreck. Yeah. Divers did finally find one body of a crew member for the first time. Um, the video footage shows the remains outside the wreck near the bow, fully clothed, wearing an orange life jacket and laying face down in the sediment. Um, but they decided to leave the remains undisturbed. Oh, wow. Well, even wearing a life jacket underwater? Mm-hmm. Man. Well, I guess it gives a whole new thought to you if life jackets actually work. Right. That's insane. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I respect them. Yeah, and that's weird, too. I respect them for the fact that they didn't um, bother anything. They left it as is. Yeah. But at the same time, if that one person was able to have closure with their family. Right. It's yeah, family. Man. Flipped it over just to get a picture of the face or something. Right? Like, just to say, like, hey, at least we identified one person. You know? Um, which would be weird because, I mean, like, it talks about how, like, 30,000 maritime, you know, workers have been lost in the Great Lakes, and out of all of them, there's that one. Um, it, it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, Interesting story if anyone has never actually like looked into it. I know there's like a like a small little uh um documentary on YouTube I watched about it and it kinda explains the entire history of the Edmund Fitzgerald and all this stuff and it is a pretty cool thing. Um uh, yeah, it's uh so I mean like I said, forty eight years is a long ass time and Joe, maybe uh maybe if we plan it right, maybe we could be up uh up at the Whitefish Bay Memorial on uh, their fiftieth in two years. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I mean Yeah. You know. Yeah, we'll just make a note of it. Actually, I don't know, how far is that from us? I think 
So I don't think it's actually that far. How far is that, Joe? How far is Whitefish Bay from us? Good question. Whitefish Bay, Wisconsin? Uh, oh, yeah, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not Whitefish Bay. What, what the hell is it, Joe? What the hell am I doing with my life? I hope that's a different Whitefish Bay because that's on Lake Michigan. Uh, Great Lakes Shipwreck Museum at Whitefish Point. I'm sorry, Point. Whitefish Point. I think I think it's Michigan. Yeah. Just from here, man. <laughs> it is seven hours and 25 minutes. And that's if you follow, you know, straight up uh, the side of Lake Michigan. Gotcha. Green Bay. You know, that makes a lot more sense than what I thought it was. Yep. Um, well, that'll be a fun weekend trip. Actually, I don't yeah. know when. So. Well, we could do um, uh, here I-75 takes you down and around on the Michigan side of Lake Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we could hit, you know, maybe do a two or three day cemetery tour and end at uh, at Whitefish Point or something. In November? Do the years be do 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 the year before? Yeah. <laughs> well, November tenth, twenty twenty five, which would be the fifty fifty year anniversary mark. That is a Monday. Perfect. So uh we'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll coordinate it. We'll coordinate it. We'll just uh we'll just uh leave Sunday evening after uh, after you're done working. Yeah, that works. Yeah. Uh Joe, what are you freaking thinking about? Oh, great question. Um, Besides the Edmund Fitzgerald, yeah, I I suppose the the most interesting thing for me this week was the Loki uh, season finale and maybe series finale. Um, they're talking about whether or not they're going to do a third season. Um, but the, do they uh, do they need to? No, they don't. Uh, and and so the the weird thing about this show is the whole point is that there's now all these different timelines in the MCU. And yeah. so there's different versions of all the characters on each timeline. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if they wanted to do another season or more seasons than that, then they would have to go to a new Loki variant and basically like start all the character development all over, um, which might be interesting. And, fun. you know, there might be a way to do that. That's interesting. Um, yeah. But this Loki, I think, is done. Gotcha. Um, and I, I mean, I, I have this image in my head of like some other Loki in the future coming and meeting with this Loki. I think that'd be neat to see. Mm-hmm. But you know, I don't, I don't need it. <laughs> cool. <coughs> I gotcha. So, but it was a good. It was a really. It was one of the most perfect endings to a story that I've ever seen in a TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because TV shows are really bad at ending things because they're like, well, we might get another season. <laughs> so, but these guys, the writers are like, nope, we're done with all of this version of these characters yeah. in this timeline. So, happy about that. Happy about that. Nice. What about you? What are you freaking thinking about? Um, so the wrestling company I'm working with, uh, Southland Championship Wrestling out here in uh, Kinky area. I'm trying to work with them. I'm putting together a uh, a wrestling show in Pietam. Nice. And the what the place we want to do it at is the Wilcani Atrium, which uh, you know, Mom and Carl had their uh, wedding reception there. Yep. 
Um, <clears throat> so we got the price of how much the rent is and everything, and it's a little bit more than we were anticipating. Right. Um, but for some reason, I really want this to work. So, uh, I've been trying to figure out the best way possible about going about making it happen, whether it be either like, you know, working with another company or sponsorships and stuff like that. And I officially decided I'm going to make it a goal to, uh, make this show happen. So it's, it's weird because like it's, it's, if we do end up doing it, it's going to be for October of next year. So it's like a year out. But I think I prefer it that way because I want to plan this and make this a big show. Because if I if I get it the way I want it to, it could be a it could be the biggest show for SCW ever. It just falls on you know uh, the work I got to put into it plus the work he has to put into it plus the work the wrestlers and other workers for SCW have to put into it. Right. So it's a it's a stressful kind of idea because it's like now I got to. Like I know that I know how much I need to I need to uh to get and I know how much I need to get sp- sponsorship cover wise, but now I got to figure out like who can I go to who can I talk to, and who would be interested in doing this and I have a couple ideas and a couple people in mind and everything and I was talking to uh, the owner of SCW and we're gonna put together like sponsorship packages and I'm just gonna go to businesses in Pietro and say, listen, we want to put on this program here. I think it's going to be great. Can we please, you know, like if you're interested, here's what the sponsorship tiers are. This is what you get for your sponsorship and all this other stuff. But I'm really excited about it because uh, it, it just feels like if I can make it happen, then it's something that I did or something that I was a part of, you know, and I, I mean, I do oh, yeah. book, the, I do book the shows on a month to month basis, <clears throat> but booking matches and actually booking an event just have two different feels to it. And I, I want to get that booking an event thing. And I want, like, I just, I just want to make it work. And I'm just happy that it's a year. So I'm not cramming so much into one time. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm really excited about that. Nice. That's awesome. I really hope it works out. Well, thanks man. Yeah. Hey Joe. Yeah. Every week our listeners could catch cartoon Joe here on this freaking show, but I know they need more Cartoon Joe, so when they're done listening to Cartoon Joe over here, where can they go? If you need more Cartoon Joe, you can find me over at the GeekCast Live podcast at violentpress.com. You can also find us on Facebook, iTunes, Spotify, and Twitter by searching GeekCast Live. Awesome. Guys, as I mentioned, uh, we're going to end this show listening to uh, the, wreck- the Wreck of Edmund Fitzgerald by Gordon Lightfoot. Uh, it is a lengthy song, but I do hope you guys enjoy it and you listen to it. And I just want to remind you all that, you know, follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, just by searching this freaking show and make sure you, uh, listen to our episodes whenever they are released on Spotify, iTunes, Google podcast, Podbean, just by searching this freaking show. Um, thank you guys. Uh, as always, I am Travis Steve. And I'm Cartoon Joe. And, uh, Thank you for listening uh, to this freaking show.
Oliver Ace Water Mansion. Oh, Michigan seems like a young man's dreams. The islands and bays are for sportsmen. And farther below Lake Ontario takes in what Lake Erie can send her. The iron boats go as the mariners all go with the gales of November remembered. In a musty old hall in Detroit, they prayed in the Maritime Sailors' Cathedral. The church bell chimed and it rang twenty-nine times for each man on the Edmunds Fitzgerald. The legend lives on from the Chippewa on down of the big lake they call Gitchagumi. Superior, they said, never gets up the dead when the gales of November come early. I'm out.